Hello, and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, April 11th, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss queuing long requests with Sidekick, monitoring servers with Monit, and playing cards over the internet with RDS. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. Hello. Hello. Ah, perfect timing. Erica just flushed the toilet right over my head. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I hope there's some plumbing between you and the toilet. <laughs> there is, but it still gives you the sensation that it's like going down your back. It's like right there. <laughs> so, but that's a, a definite improvement because for the last two hours, there have been a pair of twins up there that uh, Cooper is instigating into. Wilder oh, in. nice. So there's been lots of, yeah, screaming and yelling and, and, and four-year-old playing at your house. Yeah. There's yeah, a, lot, a lot of, let's go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have twin nephews, and I can, I can relate. I think there's something about twins that they're just, yeah. <laughs> it was funny. Um, Erica and Cooper went to Target yesterday and bought T-shirts, and mm-hmm. Cooper is obsessed with minecraft right now yeah as you know from facebook yes and so they were at target and they saw an adult size minecraft t-shirt so cooper was like we have to get that for daddy <laughs> so i am cur- currently sporting a actually a pretty sweet minecraft t-shirt is it the creeper anatomy t-shirt it is a creeper t-shirt but not creeper anatomy yeah kira has the creeper anatomy t-shirt does that what does that say it's like a like a um you know, like inflated, expo- you know, like how they do a cutaway oh, like view of the creeper. Yeah. yeah, and it's got like the TNT, TNT inside of it and <laughs> gunpowder and sand and various things. And yeah, it's it's cool. <laughs> awesome. My favorite one that I've seen, but it's for just for kids, is it mm-hmm. has a picture of a creeper and it says, Creeper's gonna creep. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> That's the one I wanted. But uh, so funny thing. So I'm, you know, I'm wearing it today and he also got a new creeper t- uh, new, well, it is a creeper t-shirt at um, Target at the same time. So we tried them on. So, so today I came upstairs from the cave and they're all playing and, and Cooper's like, guys, look, daddy's got a Minecraft t-shirt too. And uh, Erica's like, like, yeah, you guys are like twins, just like the twins. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And uh, Cooper says, yeah, we have the same T-shirt. And then one of the twins says, we don't have the same T-shirt because they were wearing different outfits. Yeah. And Cooper goes, but you have the same head. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, that's great. So that was a long way for that punchline, but uh, it was pretty funny. <laughs> it was funny. worth it. Wow. So... Uh, yeah, I, we've got a little bit of housekeeping this week. Okay. Uh, if, we, if we can jump into that. Go for it. Um, a couple shout-outs, actually. I've been meaning to say this. It's been a, it's, this is old news, actually, to me, but we haven't mentioned it on the podcast, I don't think. But uh, my, my good in-real-life buddy, Jimmy Burrell, has, and, and longtime dear listener, bought a Moto X because of us. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I sent him stickers. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. 
we uh, we influenced someone. We did. Yes. So. But the question is, does he like the Moto X? Uh, that's a. I did not follow up. Maybe he can uh, let us know when he. If he hates this. it, I'll feel bad. Ooh, good point. I don't think he will. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> it is. It's a nice phone. Yeah. So Motorola, if you're listening, you owe like some kind of some kind of commission, some kind of props. Cool. Uh, and the other thing is a shout out to, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but Orde, or Orde Saunders, O-R-D-E. Uh, he, I would say Orde. What's that? Orde? I, I would, that's how I would pronounce it. Yeah, that sounds like a body wash, though. <laughs> Way to insult the guy. Hey, what's wrong with body wash? <laughs> that's true. Well, it doesn't have an accent, so I, I don't know. I don't know. But he did send a, well, a... a a nice email about uh, describing his, well, two things. I don't have to go into the whole thing, but uh, one of the things he suggested was that we put links on the site that make it easier to subscribe. The um, moment for us. <laughs> yeah, duh. So uh, that is now done. And there's, a, I just, I hacked it in there real quick. It took me about 10 minutes to paste in a little self-executing select list that has four or five different options. So if you're on the desktop computer or on a mobile device with, you know, various podcasting applications, you should be able to find one that, uh, uh, on iOS, it'll either open iTunes or the podcast app or, um, pocket cast. And on Android, it'll give you an option of whatever you want, you know, cause Android's awesome and it has intents and on the desktop, there's iTunes, et cetera, et cetera. So, all kinds of options. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. What a head slapper. Uh, cool. So I think that's everything I had for housekeeping. Just those two things. Um, I've got a bug report this week. Oh, good. Yeah. And it's kind I've of, been, a f- I've been squashing a lot of bugs, but they've all been highly specific and, and, um, of my own making. So, <laughs> yeah, we've been dropping plow lately. So, um, yeah, so this is, this is kind of a fun one because it's, uh, it's related to stuff we've talked about at length. Um, the dear listener may remember that, uh, my sort of demo application for, for all platforms is Kilo, which is this, I'm obsessed with calorie tracking and I, I almost like obsessively rebuild this application for every platform everywhere. Every time I get a new one, uh, and when I got my Pebble watch, I found this app called Pebble Card Cards that has a custom card that allows you to just put an arbitrary URL in and retrieve JSON from a server to display content on the screen. So the upside of that, or the upshot of that is that on my watch, I can, you know, when I look to see what time it is, it also tells me how many calories I have remaining for the day and the, the items that I most recently logged. Right. So I can immediately see, um, you know, how much pasta I can have for dinner and, <laughs> and whether or not I have, um, logged everything. Cause it'll say it has like abbreviated versions of the last, you know, 10 or five or 10 things, however many it can fit on the screen. And right, I can see so like, if you forgot that milkshake. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, Oh, the milkshake's for, not in there. Forgot. <laughs> yeah. So, so it was, there's that was a really cool thing, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about a bug, which was that the, um, every once in a while it would get stuck on a date. So yes, I noticed that. Did you? Yes. So I was like, 
I even emailed the guy. I was like, I assumed it was a caching thing. So I'm like, I emailed the guy and I'm like, I don't know. Does it, does the, does the app cache? And it's confusing because the part of the app is installed on the watch and part of the app is installed on the phone. And you know, who knows, like if the request fails, will it tell me normally it does, but you know, so there's like a lot of moving parts and no way to debug it. Yeah. And whenever I would visit the URL in the, um, in a desktop browser, it was always right. See, I had I had some weird date stuff happening once in the desktop browser, but it was like way long time ago when you first like, I'm not even sure it was the come to think of it now, I'm not even sure it was this version of Kilo. So So there's there's an incredibly subtle thing that Kilo does, um, and, and it has changed over time, so it could be a combination of things. But when you the way it works now is that when you call up the screen that allows you to enter a new food or exercise, it defaults to today's date, no matter what mm-hmm. didn't used to do that, but that's what it does now. And when you, um, if you change that date to like yesterday, cause mm-hmm. like either it just crossed midnight and you forgot to put something in, or it's the next day and you forgot to put something in or whatever, then you can put in whatever date you want, but it defaults to today. If you put in yesterday, for example, and then you save it, uh, it will, it, it kind of like stores that because it's like, oh, he's thinking about yesterday. So when you go to the homepage, it's going to show you the stuff from yesterday. Mm-hmm. And that does it probably that probably sounds dumb, but it's one of those things where I've used it enough so that I know like I'm obviously thinking about yesterday. I probably forgot to put a bunch of stuff in and I keep jumping back to the, the home screen and like uh, I just put it in. It's not there. Oh, wait, that's today's stuff. So you got to go back and see what else you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that doesn't really, it, it, you know, it doesn't make sense on the whiteboard, but it makes sense when you're using it. So, so I have this, but, but if you do that, you create it, you create a new food, you set it to yesterday's date and then you go away for a while. Mm-hmm. This, the app is smart enough to be like, okay, he's, he's not in the middle of some like process of entering a bunch of food from yesterday. He just entered one and he, now he's on to something else. Because what would happen is the next time you launch the app, you'd forget that you were doing that three hours ago. Yeah. And you'd be like, how come this is on yesterday's, how come the home screen, the dashboard's on yesterday's food? Right, <laughs> right. So it basically has a timeout. So it, it keeps track of your last activity. And if like X number of seconds pass, then it, it just goes back to normal and it just shows you today on the dashboard. <laughs> so it's one of those things that you wouldn't think of on the whiteboard, but it, it, it's like you, it, it, it makes, it, it sounds horribly fuzzy and imprecise, but it's, I, I like no, it. It makes sense. It makes sense. I can see, like, yeah, I wouldn't have thought to do it, but what, thinking about how I use the app, I could see myself. Yeah. So, so here's the thing, the, um, the, the watch application pulls the server every 10 minutes. Oh, so it's not timing out. So it never times out. So it's like such a dumb bug. And inside of the application, I have two dates. I have like this generic date object, which has all the, all this logic in it. So Mm -hmm. every page can just access this date variable and it's always the appropriate one for the way the application is supposed to work. And there's another variable called date now, which is the real current date. Yeah. And so I just had to switch it to date now and <laughs> immediately fixed it. I, I was like, I oh, wanted so bad to retract the email that I sent to the guy. <laughs> I mean, it was a nice email, but it turned out yeah. to be my bug, which was just so embarrassing. <laughs> 
So anyway, I'm not sure if anyone can possibly benefit from that bug, but uh, it, if anything, it's a glimpse into programming for a watch, I guess. Yeah, and it's a it's a reminder that if you have something that relies on a timeout like that, you know, you gotta gotta look at where where and how people are accessing your stuff. Yes, absolutely, and it's another it's another um, one of those things where the different device environment requires a sort of special case in the application itself. Mm-hmm. So like in the, in the controller that I, that the watch talks to, you know, the route that talks to the control, you know, like yeah. it's, it's not rails, but yeah, that's the concept in the, in the controller. It's like, it's totally special case. Like, yeah, it, it needs to be handled differently. Yeah. And it's like, it, like part of me wants to say like, no, it should always, it should always be a particular way. That's the right way, but it completely depends on the application, mm-hmm. the client, the, it, there's, there's all kinds of exceptions. Mm-hmm. We had that. We also noticed that, uh, if people go back and listen to, there was an episode about Avalio when we went nuts building clients for TextMate and command line and, uh, uh instant messaging. Yeah. And, and you want different responses. That, that was when we were like, wow, we were returning client-specific results in the API from the API. <laughs> yes. That was the realization that, oops. <laughs> the API is not abstract yeah. enough. No. So there you have it, folks. Um, cool. So let's move on to the future content. Okay. I hope I can fill in episodes worth of, of information about it. So. Yeah, so <laughs> we have a crazy day. I'm sure this won't be the longest episode ever. Yeah. Although it's shaping up to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> they have the same head. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, anyway, uh, today I'm I'm so this week we're working on a crazy project that I cannot wait to announce. Oh no, I'm so excited about it. Yeah, it's coming out great, if I do say so myself. Thank you. And uh, the, um, the, one of the things that it does is it talks to, it has, there's a bunch of, does a bunch of stuff that includes storing tons of images on S3. Mm-hmm. And there's a sort of container concept in the database that contains, air quotes, the images that are on S3. So the database points has a bunch of pointers to URLs on S3. So if you duplicate one of these containers on in the database through the application, you need to do a whole bunch of work on S3 to um, essentially create, you know, duplicate all those images as well and then like lump them into the new container in the data or associate them with the new container in the database. Right, because right. you can't just point to the same URL. You have to be able to, to go in and then individually edit and change. And yeah, you want to make copies. You don't want to operate yeah. on the same one. So, you know, for business reasons, like the business yeah. logic of the application. Yeah. Uh, and then we have other parts of the app that actually write data to different, to other servers. Yes. So there's a lot of, it's interesting because the way the, the application is architected, it's, um, I don't want to say it's very scalable, but <laughs> It's the the different concerns are distributed onto different machines, and mm-hmm. you know so there so like the email pro all the email stuff happens on a dedicated transactional email server, and all of the the static asset storage happens on S three, and all the you know the, 
the application server is one thing and then there's this other sort of like preview server that's another thing. so everything's like split up so there's like special purpose so you can um you can you could theoretically scale the application server without having to deal with you know creating more hard drives or duplicating hard drive stuff it's it's right, you could just you could just throw the application server behind a load balancer and be done with it. Yeah, just like like make ten of them. Yeah. So so what's cool about it? It was or what's not cool about it is that this particular um, operation in the older version of the app was basically like duplicating a, a a folder on a local file system, which was horrible for a million other reasons, but it was pretty convenient for this. So. At the end of the day, what's important about this little story that I'm telling is that uh, it's a, it's some it's a process that the user is going to kick off in a browser, and it's going to take potentially an uncomfortably long amount of time to complete. Yeah, yeah, and potentially, potentially, depending on the the number and size of, of images we're dealing with, potentially longer than you know, the browser timeout. <laughs> so, yes, and. Potentially, since there are tons of users of this application, if a bunch of them kicked off the same process at the same time, uh, I I don't know this, but I'm assuming that our, our server would get constipated and exactly, yeah. exactly. So enter queuing. Enter, which, enter queuing. Yeah, this this is really only I hand rolled a queuing thing a long time ago that was just just crap. So I'm really excited to hear about this. Um, so I guess we've we've sort of outlined a, a, a sample like outlined why why yeah. you should care. Here's the problem. The problem is there's a process that's going to take a long time, and the solution is queuing. So like what there are a bunch of like where do we go next? There's a bunch of queuing tools. Maybe we talk about tools next or there are there's a bunch. Um, sure. So let's talk about the ones. So like AWS has something called Simple Queue Service, which everyone describes as anything but simple. Yeah, Which I I'm, looked at it. That was that was the first thing I looked at, and I actually looked into that probably a couple of months ago. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, yeah, it was it was anything but simple. Yeah, I mean, none of the services, even S three, not simple. They're yeah, more powerful start, yeah. than simple, but anyway. So the solution that you went with, or the tool that you went with, was called Sidekick. Yes. S i d e. K-I-Q. K-I-Q, okay. Yes. So what is, is that like a, a gem or something? Yeah, it's a it's a Ruby gem, and um, it's a, a Redis-backed Redis um, queuing mm. and, and background background queuing service. Very interesting. That explains the Redis install. Yes. So what so what do you have to do to get a Rails application ready to to to, be, to, to understand it, this, to, yeah. To use Sidekick, yeah. There's a there's a really good uh, Railscast episode on it. We'll link to in the show notes. Um, might be a pro episode. I don't. I might not be. I was I was looking at two yesterday. One was pro. One wasn't. I can't mm -hmm. remember. But anyway, um, you can link to that. But yeah, basically, you you install the gem, and then you create inside of your application directory directory you create a folder of uh, for workers. And you put your worker classes in there, and your worker classes are basically just just executing um, bits of, like, say, you take a, a chunk of code out of your controller and move it into the worker, and then call it from the controller, mm -hmm. and do that, and 
you set all that up and then you when you start your app you start up the sidekick server and you already have redis running and then whenever those actions are called from your rails controller or or model you can call them in the model too um call them anywhere in the app but uh, yeah when those are called it it um you know a sidekick uh you know spins up a, a new thread and, uh, and it, it gets its own process and does its thing in the background. Interesting. So it's almost like a server in like a server process inside, like listening, waiting for requests. Yeah. yeah. What is it? I guess this is irrelevant, but like, what does it look like when you call it? Like, what is it? What does a line of code look like when you call it? Do you just say like sidekick, like whatever, like variable equals new sidekick? It's just like whatever, whatever your worker class name is dot the the method that you want to call okay. and then you can do underscore and, and you can append the method with like underscore and then there's a few other things you can do there uh, you can do async which is basically send it to the background and go on and do your thing or you can do um, underscore queue which puts it at the end of the you know places it directly into the queue rather than trying to process it, it yeah so there's there's several options mm, for calling things that way so what I mean I would think you'd always want async yeah, yeah, so. that's what I'm. You know, I guess if you've got some some longer running things that you know, well, maybe this has to run in an hour. You can you can queue it up to run in an hour. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see so, what you mean. Yeah, like you can schedule schedule it for later. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is super cool, um, and like you said, like Sidekick spins up different processes on the server. So theoretically, you'd go in and like if we were looking at. Uh, top or whatever on the server, we'd see a bunch of sidekick processes running. If if people were yeah. duplicating stuff, yeah, or... you'd, you'd see a bunch of a bunch of Ruby threads, and um, the gym also includes a little Sinatra application um, that gives you a, a web interface to see what all is going on. Yeah, that is so that is so <laughs> nice. It is, and you can you can actually you can manage the queue from that interface too. Wow, so you could like kill stuff or or like. Yeah. Bump it to the front or whatever. Yeah, or like if you've got something that keeps getting failed and oh that's another thing, you can you can configure um configure retries if a process fails. Oh, that's awesome. That was something I never did. So in the one I hand rolled. So and other other examples of this that I've seen lately are like um if you go to Google's data liberation the liberation thing <laughs> and easy for me to say. Uh, liberation thing and you you like export all your data or even Twitter you can request all of your your uh, Twitter data well, export yeah. and it says we got the message we'll email you when it's done and yeah. uh, and that's presumably the same exact kind of thing where they're just yeah. like shifting that off to some other process or probably some other completely other server and uh, yeah just cranking it out and then emailing yeah that was one of the things I was wondering. Does does Sidekick have like callbacks that you can hook into when stuff's done, or could you like provide, done. you know, like when this is done, send an email to the person who originally kicked it off, type of thing? I don't know if there's actual callbacks in it or not. I haven't dug deep enough, but you could put it in the code that Sidekick is executing, and then when it's done executing that code, it would fire off an email. Oh, that's true. Right, because it's just it's just like. Oh yeah, duh. Right, because you've got like this this procedural code that's going to execute, and if it doesn't make it to yeah. the bottom, or if it if it gets you know if an exception is thrown and you're catching that inside of that, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. 
presumably it has some kind of callback um, that the Sinatra application is doing. I haven't looked at the Sinatra application. It could just be actually monitoring monitoring threads on the server, but I doubt it. I'd say there's probably some kind of callback there. I just I haven't dug deep enough to, to really see. Yeah, you'd think you'd be able to pass in like, geez, I don't know what though. Like either, uh, I mean, you're not going to be able to call a function like a method of the rails you know what i mean like yeah i don't yeah i don't know maybe you could give it a url and sit in like the page that is inside of the rails app so like hit this url when you're done yeah i feel like you could easily you could easily sort of create your own callbacks i think yeah that's what it's yeah that's i think you're probably right because it sounds like it would be pretty custom every time yeah huh cool so there were there was something, there was another application you mentioned in relation to this. Yes. Now, now that we have all of these, our application is now many, many bits and pieces and many different, different servers and databases and processes that have to continue running on the server. Um, I wanted something to kind of go up. Oh, oh, that, that, that server just died. I'd better restart it. Or, or this is, this is using too much memory. We should send out an alert. Mm. And um, so I'm using an application for that called Monit. Mm-hmm. I've heard of that actually. Uh, yeah, it's it's not like language specific or anything. It's it's you, know, you you install it on the at the system, install it on the system mm-hmm. um, uh, through. Um, well, I used Aptitude, um, you know, through your package manager or you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's got a, a really, really easy sort of configuration, mm-hmm. and several different options for for different types of monitoring you can do. Mm-hmm. And um, it can send out email alerts. It can it can restart processes. That is really cool because yeah. right now we've got sort of a couple different things going on to try and patchwork that together with different different clients, different mm-hmm. you know personal side projects and stuff. And one of the things is um, you can set up alerts in AWS to, mm-hmm. to send notifications. Like if a CPU goes over a certain, you know, 90% for more than five minutes, then uh, it'll send out an SES notification to whoever subscribed to that particular alert. And that's perfect, but it doesn't do stuff like, like for example, when it comes to disk space, I had to roll my own like like cron job that yeah. just because like there's no monitoring for that inside of AWS, yeah. which is super annoying. Yeah, you could you could set up monitor to monitor the file system. That I'm doing that. Is that what's like? What's the that's f- open source or free or what's the? Um, on it, yeah. And you, uh, how do you configure it? Is there like, like just like uh, some there, kind of text yeah, file? There's a, yeah, there's a configuration directory, and you just put your config files in there. And that's a that's another thing. There's also um, floating around on the web. I haven't gotten into it yet. I'm going to look into it eventually. Um, and actually, there's a lot about Monit that I haven't dug too deeply into yet. I've got a very basic setup at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a bunch of Capistrano recipes out there for various services that you might want to monitor uh, with Monit. And you can use the Capistrano recipes and and maintain all of that configuration inside your application. Oh, so wow. you don't have to. So you don't have to go into the server and and edit your monit config files. And so you can deploy to different servers and have the same config across all of them. That's and that fab. Kind of and so, and can you have multiple instances of monit running on a box? So, like, if you've got virtual hosting going on, 
Presumably, I guess. Like, um, I don't know. I don't know that you would need to. Or do you just have recipes in each one and you have one monet process that knows about all the recipes? Or not recipes, but knows about all the configs. Yeah, yeah. You just have you just have configs for each one. Hmm, interesting. Huh. Well, I'm definitely going to look into that because that's, I mean, obviously that's going, the main, the main servers that I care about are the ones that you just installed it on. So yeah, <laughs> that's no big deal, but it, I'd be super curious to see, um, like what that looks like on my, just my personal server, my personal site. Cause I've got a bunch of different applications hosted on a digital ocean right. drop or whatever VPS, they call it. Yeah. And it is, it is so frustrating when. To, to bring up Kilo again, I use that thing like all day. And sometimes it is like bang fast. And then other times it'll just hang for like, like and never load for no obvious reason. Yeah, and I had that happen a couple of times. I thought it was my connection. So for a while there, I, th I think there was a period when we were playing around with the choir when that was causing hangups. But, um, but I, you know, took that out and because uh, it's like critically important for me to me for the thing to be screaming fast. Yeah. So I, I was like, mm. oh, see, that's another thing. I could, I could put choir calls to choir in 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 um. Yeah, queue them. In Sidekick. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a <laughs> good. Idea. Calling choir is not going to slow down our app. Yeah. Good. Because <laughs> I love <laughs> choir. <laughs> Uh, I mean, we came up with some hack code to spit it off to yeah. separate process in at least in PHP, but still, uh, it would be cooler to queue it like that, have it be a little bit more uh, manageable, I guess. So you look yeah. like you you can look and know what's going on without having to be like a Unix neckbeard. <laughs> <laughs> but so the, it's super frustrating because you know probably it's my network connection like but maybe but sometimes it seems like it's not the network like sometimes it seems like the page started to load but then something's chugging like maybe it's the connection to rds or maybe the database is getting hammered or maybe some other process on the web server is getting hammered because there's like five mm -hmm. websites on the on the vps on like, the five dollar vps <laughs> yeah yeah so but it's it's so frustrating there's like no obvious way to you like like troubleshoot that yeah you know where's the hang up and it's not it's not um consistent enough that i could say oh the server is slow right now it's like one request just like <laughs> right. dies so i, don't I assume know. it's a network connection between something but. you you would think it just doesn't feel like that like you know how you know how you can see like the page starts to load but then it's still chugging mm-hmm and it's the, I feel like that's not the network, but it could be. It could just be other network requests that fire off, like, like oh, it's looking for the CSS. But with this particular application, everything's embedded in it. It's one yeah. page. Like, there's no second request. There are no images in the entire thing. Yeah. Because I like to, you know, I like it pretty like that. <laughs> and I've had. I think I'm even inlining the CSS in the head of the. I think you are. Yeah. I've had um like the um. The free tier RDS micro instances. Mm -hmm. I've had times where connections and communication back and forth to them just get super slow. I have a feeling that's what it is. I I, I always feel like it's the database because the every single page that you see 
there's only one page in the entire application that's not dynamic. Yeah. So I can't offline cache anything. Because even if I even if I did, I'd still have to make a request for like some JSON to like refresh the UI. So like I could cache right. a bunch of HTML locally, but that wouldn't just be a pain in the you know, it wouldn't change anything. Really. Um because the pages are so small as it is. Right. So I don't know. I'll bet you that's what it is. So maybe maybe there if there was some way to you know, like uh in MySQL has that like slow query thing. But it's yeah, nothing. you can you can monitor you can monitor connections with Mono too. So Oh really? Like yeah. what do you mean? Like Yeah, like you know, it can it can test to make sure that it can connect to the database and mm-hmm. and if if the connection takes longer than so many seconds then send an alert or do oh a log file entry, that kind of stuff. That's awesome. So but it's not it's not listening to the network interface. So you're you're sending out a ping every minute or so or five minutes or something. Honestly, I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. Um, but yeah, no, I, I ran into that um, a while back. I made, I made a little um, deck manager for <laughs> for King of Tokyo, so that I could play it with friends in Boston <laughs> over the internet. And, I understood um, about, I understood every third word, like Boston okay. internet, friends, friends, and then there were a bunch of other. Yeah, it was a it was a. a it's a it's a a board game or a dice game and there's a deck of cards with it. Okay. And we could play the dice game over Skype, but managing the deck of cards between two places, physical locations, is kind of a pain. So I wrote a little app to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I was trying to sort out some of the JavaScript in it when I was building it, and and the connection was super slow and tripped me up for a while before I realized that it was just a slow database connection. Huh. So let me get this straight. You have a virtual deck of cards. I have a virtual deck of cards for a board for game. A board game where you play B movie monsters smashing Tokyo. <laughs> so wow. that we could do it over Skype. I speaking of Unix neckbeards. <laughs> yeah, well, I can't do the neckbeard, but <laughs> yeah. Did you see that? That there was a sort of viral uh, picture going around of a circle beard. No. no, I'll post it in the show notes. It's, 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 I, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> it's this dude literally has a circle beard. You'll have, you'll have to go to the show notes to see it. Anyway, that is the geekiest thing I've ever heard. I, I know. I'm, I don't know if I should be embarrassed or proud. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, what, no, wait a second. You, I was so obsessed with like distracted by the uh the nerdiness the nerdiness that i forgot what the point was you were you were saying that because yes connections are slow oh okay i thought you were gonna say <laughs> to the that you, you solved that with the no. uh, with monet no i'm just saying that i I've, I've experienced that slowness while seriously nerding out one night <laughs> <laughs> oh how are we gonna deal with the cards oh hold on write an app for I'll it i'll just write an app real quick hang on so I'm, I'm like, I can't get over this. Like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> is it like a peer to peer? Like you're both on the same website and you're seeing yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So you're in the same session, basically. Basically. Yeah. There's a, it, it, right now it just pulls the database. Uh huh. And, but like, what, what are you doing? Like somebody takes a card off the top of the deck. Yeah. Somebody takes a card off the top of the deck and it goes face up. And so it gets displayed either by their character or by the, like there's three cards 
faced up face up next to the draw pile mm-hmm. or, or you know they'll it'll show it down in the discard pile or yeah as okay. you're drawing cards and moving them around and and that kind of stuff so, so what'd you do like scan every card uh pretty much yeah <laughs> i had richard do that part nice how many cards are there i think there were uh, about 50 uh, so, so that took yeah, a it while wasn't too bad. it wasn't too bad it's not like it's not a super large deck yeah and then and then so you're okay so you guys don't use physical cards at all you just use the website right okay wow how do you shuffle <laughs> it randomizes them <laughs> oh my god that is the best creates a random stack of cards when you first start the game <laughs> right huh well there you have it folks <laughs> if anyone is interested in playing King of Tokyo remotely, <laughs> <laughs> let me know. I think it might be on GitHub, actually. I don't remember. Well, there you go. I uh, might not have put it on GitHub because it's got all the artwork in there, and I didn't want to. You, you know, didn't want to embarrass yourself sued. by being too geeky on GitHub. No, so. I didn't want to get sued for publishing all of the artwork for oh, the cards. Oh, 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 I see hell you should contact him and say hey you want an online version of your game <laughs> yeah and Richard was like you should do the dice too because there's dice and there's cards I'm like no then that just completely takes away the fun it's like we all have the dice picking them up and rolling them is the fun part yeah that's the fun part but you can't have the, the cards are just yeah that you can't shuffle them the stuff. same way right I guess you could both shuffle and just not yeah. care right or would that not work that doesn't nah, well it would change the game yeah. I think it would work, but it would change the game. Yeah, the web browser part doesn't change the game. No, not a bit. <laughs> it just makes it better. <laughs> Man, so we this is the remote gameplay episode, evidently. We started off with Minecraft and now yeah. Kings of Remote Dio. <laughs> That's easy to say. Remote Dio. <sighs> well, I think that might be it for this week. I think so. Let's, let's go write code, shall we? Yeah, busy week, folks. So we'll leave it at that. That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. And we hope you join us again next week for the Niche Podcast. Bye.